Hour, a weekly podcast about Rancid. I'm Brad Rose from Foxy Digitalis. I'm Sam Melancon from Debacle Records. And every week we pick a Rancid song and we talk about it and our complicating feelings about Rancid. So this week was my pick and I went with Old Friend from And Out Come the Wolves. Okay, so Old Friend, obviously from Outcome the Wolves, which came out in August of 1995. I'm not going to get into all the Outcome the Wolves stuff that we've talked about many times in the podcast already. Um, but I will mention that the this is written solely by Tim. There's mm. not a songwriting credit to Lars on it. And the has a guest musician, which is really cool. The organ is played by Paul Jackson, who is from the Uptones, like classic seminal ska band. Um that is still around, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this, so this is one of three, it's ska songs, ska ish songs that well, probably four, right? What's the time bomb? This daily city train. What's the four? Ruby Soho. Also? Huh, Ruby Soho is not a ska song. Is it not? No. That's weird that my brain is thinks of this. <laughs> I've logged it away. Hold on a sec. It's yeah okay. It's like a Clash song more than a ska. yeah. It's yeah. It's about ska and reggae, but it's not actually Ruby. So no no no. Roots Radical is about ska and reggae. Oh yeah, way more. But I mean, there's a little bit of. Right, this is dumb. <laughs> Sorry, I, I completely derailed this. I'm not. I'm not editing this out either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's one of three of the ska songs on and out come the wolves with. Um, Daily City Train and then of course Time Bomb um, it's kind of interesting you know on the so we, we talked about the first record last time and there was like no hints to really of this to me like there, there was a lot of weird stuff on the first record you know we talked about like post-punk and what was it really fast wars um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and on Let's Go there was like I don't know I kind of if, when I'm remembering back and granted it's been almost 30 freaking years but like i feel like the ska stuff came out of nowhere a little bit for me anyway i i was surprised when yeah that context is really it has been really interesting coming back to all this because again like like we said for me a lot of this mm. stuff had kind of existed yeah that's true and, and they were had been painted with like yeah they're part of the third wave ska revival and and you know uh did you like when you go back and listen to let's go like especially as we've you know had we've done that done a couple songs episodes on songs on that i mean do you hear even in hindsight do you hear hints of this no not at all i think there's such an obvious break between yeah let's go and out come the wolves like i feel like it's a very i'm more and more separate like separating a major line there for like yeah um and their songwriting and it does feel like to me this is truer to what they wanted it to be a little bit like i feel like if you listen to that first rancid record it feels like they're almost putting on this like let's be tougher and harsher right. and more grimy 
and like Tim and Matt, but especially Tim, probably is like, yeah, but I mean, people love us for Op Ivy, and like, like I yeah. still love all that stuff. And then it was start totally, you know, the echoes of Op Ivy created this, you know, in '92 through '96, you know, a pretty big scale revival that was right. much more, you know, just pop punk with some horns, and like they probably were like, oh well, we, you know, this isn't us, you know, why don't yeah. this means a lot to us, like let's get it out there. But it is weird that it's like so on the dime, you know, like it just, it's this, all right, now there's this record with Scott. It's also funny that you point out that there's three Scott songs on this because I think if you ask most people about and how come the wolves are ranted, they're going to say, oh, that like Scott punk band. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's very odd that like the, you know, that up until this point, they basically had three songs with an upstroke, you know what I mean? Like, right. Like that's it. But one of them happened to be their like biggest song ever. Kind of. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess you could probably, you know, between Ruby Soho and Time Bomb, but like, yeah, um, totally. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, that's obviously the, the obvious like predictor of this is the fact that Op Ivy existed, <laughs> but um, I, I it, it really surprised me to see that Rancid kind of, cause it always, it felt like, especially with those first two records, they maybe Tim was trying to, you know, distance himself from that not like in a bad way or anything but just in a um I'm, this is something different this is an op ivy yeah um, for sure and then but I, and i think and this is this will be a discussion for another day but an outcome of the wolves feels like where he decided to finally really lean into like okay like that was that. this is a continuum this band yeah. to that band there's obviously this overlap i mean yeah for sure and i um again it's kind of one of those things of like you get the best team, you get the best rancid when they're uh, kind of just being themselves, you know? Yeah. Like, like I, th this is one of my favorite songs on the record. I, um, and it's probably my favorite of the three ska songs. It's, it's, yeah, it's like Tim at his best. It's, um, the, like, lyrically, I, like, I really like the lyrics. Like, it's really kind of endearing in a way. Um, it's got this interesting mix of like kind of like highbrow like which he does a lot like these turns of phrases that you're like well that's really interesting poetry mm -hmm. and then half of it's like the most obvious like if somebody else sang this in a different context you would be like man this is taking the nail and hitting it directly on the head over and over and over in a way that like most pop stars wouldn't get away from you know with you know yeah and well and he kind of <laughs> and to that effect i like the second verse it's like the first half is that really like testify my love for you and i know it runs deep through your body too it's like come on but like it like it worked like i don't have a problem with it or whatever but it's it is it's one of those things where it feels a little cliche but then i feel like the second part of the verse like the coal black top and the hot concrete and the old tin van and it's, it's like this i don't know i think it's like this really nice dichotomy of like uh, you know i mean between the sort of cheesiness and the more poetic part and then in the even in the idea of like it's like you know this describing this feeling of you know we're so in love whatever but it's actually like pretty not as like great as it looks and yeah i mean it, it seems like i have a, interpret this song especially looking back at it as like there's there's a little bit of heartache and like he there was somebody he really liked and in Cleveland, in my uh, understanding. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually found an, an, a, it was a really brief part in an interview with Matt 
because um, they kind of asked him about um, all these places they talk about on and out come the wolves that aren't in the in San Francisco. So you know, there's like obviously Olympia, and then the talk about Cleveland on here, and like Matt's explanation was just like, yeah, we're like on the road nine months out of the year. So I mean, this is just our lives. We're everywhere. yeah, and it, it seems like this one is specifically is that on the road on we and missing somebody, right, right? Like it's just because he's got the look up, you're in Cleveland again, a solid line that never yeah. ends. But then, which sounds like he's being dismissive of Cleveland and like, oh, we're fucking in Cleveland again. But then he's also like, I w- wouldn't want to, I feel like, there, isn't there some line about like, what in Cleveland I should have stayed inside? I guess he's saying, I guess I, I when hearing him passing, I thought there was like some event happened in Cleveland. But he's basically just saying like, I, I'm feeling that feeling so heavily of, of heartache. And I should have just, you know, because I'm going to go either do something destructive or I'm going to be yeah. just shittier and sadder because I'm trying mm. to get a better feel. You know, I'm going out and I'm doing things and I'm, you know, like, it, it, I'm not completely articulating it super well, but it's like, <laughs> you know, it's um, it's much more about there's some heartache somewhere else happening. And he's, and he's either just being on the road is heartache and also missing somebody, you know what I mean? And, uh obviously there's some testify my love for you but you know so there's obviously somebody out there that he's missing right and it but a lot of this just is that like wake up and you're in a different town sort of classic yeah well and, and it was it was funny to in, in that same interview in that same answer and this just popped in my head when you said that and matt was he says something to the effect of i don't want to get all fucking willie nelson but you know and it, it is very though like on the very, road again yeah, that's like good. <laughs> um yeah and uh, that's funny but yeah, and it's the structure is. I like the structure. I like that it starts with the chorus. I always, I'm kind of a sucker for that kind of thing. Like it immediately, kind of gets you into the song. Um, I love. Like I was thinking about this too, listening to this. I feel because I never really got into ska. Like I, I like when Rancid did it. I loved Off Hyphy. I listened to like older stuff. I, I don't know where you would classify like Desmond Decker. I don't know if that's really like ska, but you know whatever um but like the what i think of ska you know i think like you talked about it's like pop punk with horns basically right i never really got into that um but i think like one of the things that makes these songs like matt is kind of the like unheralded star of these songs the bass lines are so good and it adds just this it's like this other like melody that's it goes along with the rest of it, but it's its own thing. And so it's just this other layer of like, catchiness and engagement. And, uh, and it, it really catches your brain when he does these sort of like half beat, you know, like, yeah, grab these like pickup notes. And I haven't, I haven't like a note on that. Like it's, it's the, the opening part where it's like, like when he does it, when I do that, it sounds like circus music or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, I just, I, it's, yeah. yeah appara- apparently this this whole podcast is just, des- the whole point of this is to get me to have more appreciation for Matt Freeman. I, I mean, it's hard to listen to Rancid closely and not. Also, good point there. Some of the best three-part, all of their voices coming together is on this, this um, I don't think any one of this could sing. These guys could sing this song by themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that uh, the chorus by themselves. It was a really good, um, you know, uh, 
coming together like this as this record feels in general like the three of them on point together mm-hmm. this is a really great example of how on point they are and um yeah absolutely and on your ska thing like i am totally like you know i still think that tweet or meme or whatever that's like ska when they mean like ska punk you know from that era is what plays in a 12 year old kid's head when they're when the mozzarella sticks arrive like 100 percent like I was that kid, right? You know what I mean? Like, I I enjoyed a Smash lot. Smash Mouth. Uh, well, that's a little later, but oh, okay. But yes, yes, like like, but that same tone, right? Exactly right. that same tone. You 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 got it. Like like real big fish. You know, like I you know a lot of these ones. I for some reason I had weird lines where I wouldn't cross, but like I sort of even at the time was like sheepishly and you know wouldn't tell a lot of people how much I liked all that stuff. You know what I mean? Um, but I so rarely associate Rancid with that in the same way because I think what they're doing is much more of a second wave ska. You know, yeah. they're doing this sort of um, uh, madness. You know, sort of very, very set in the nineteen seventy, you know, nine sort of ska, the early eighties sort of ska, and um, and you know, the Clash sort of approach to it. One of the right. most interesting things about them is, and I think it's true on this record, though, maybe, you know, hold me if I'm wrong here, hold me to it if I'm wrong, but, like, they're, you know, they get to ska via the rhythm and inserting organ almost exclusively. Like, the like almost all songs with horns on them, A, are very rare, and B, actually are, like, more like soul rave-ups, you know? Right, um, absolutely. And, uh, and they don't have a lot of horn bass, you know, kind of bopping in your face. No. Um, trombones, you know, going nuts, you know, uh, ska in them. And a lot of them, because of that, they kind of, they slide a little bit closer to what some people might call like rock steady, or, you know, eventually, you know, we'll see on the next record, like even heavily into reggae. And they've kind of yeah. always talked about like, that's where their real love is of all this stuff, you know? And Right. Well, and the, yeah, I think that's totally accurate. I mean, and, and I think it's... Um... And that makes it interesting that Paul Jackson is the one playing the organ on this because, you know, the uptones are kind of that. Like, they're, they're totally not, that, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, and so it makes a lot of sense. Like, and it, and it yeah. And I, and I think that's probably why I was always more drawn to it. I, it's funny that the, like, in-your-face horns in ska are what annoyed me because, like, free jazz and jazz is what I yeah. listen to more than anything now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like, um, but, but, I mean, it's obviously, like, very, very a specific right, thing that we're talking right. about. But, like, and and it's probably something with a lot of, like, fine pop songwriting merit. It just got, it just yeah. was so instantly a caricature of itself, you know what I mean? Like, I can yeah. listen to some of that other stuff and just be like, look, there's some interesting stuff in here. But, like, it is so hard to not rip this apart, you know what I mean? And I don't think <laughs> any time Rancid touches Scott, I even have that impulse at all, you know? No. I think, I think it's so interesting that they tr- uh, that they tried to have this very introspective song, yeah. But it's one of their most like kind of up, like they use ska in a very like forlorn on reggae and more of like a forlorn way on average. You know what I mean? Like like he he Tim tends to get the most sentimental on a lot of ska songs more than and you a lot of people you would think of it as being the upbeat, like, right party starting song you know yeah no i mean that's like i I think about the bridge on this song Mm -hmm. and where i mean and that is again like 
I feel like I say this all the time, but that's that's another one of those things Tim does so well after, like, from this record on, where there's this sort of, it gets quiet, and there's this kind of breakdown, and he's almost just talking. So in America, duh, it's at night, and we will pop them home, but you know, it's gonna be alright. But yeah, I yeah. do love, like, that's a really good call out, like, the sort of juxtaposition of that with the, yeah, you think of the, if you just listen to the, inst- the instrumental of this, it's very, you would not think it's going to be this. Um, but it kinda, is kind of, like, more minor than, than you yeah. would expect, you know, like, it's a really cool combination, and it creates a, what I've noticed, the one thing I've noticed is it seems to create a really big, like, sing-along effect when they play it live, when I'm watching yes. all the videos, like, it seems like they played a lot. They played in all different eras, and it seems it seems like when you can hear the crowd, they're all with them. And it's kind of this is one of those songs that is very specific to a person in a moment. But you see this with big bands where they hit a nerve, and now it becomes everybody kind of. It's just vague enough that everybody can overlay right their own moments of the that same ennui and heartache, you know, onto it. You know, especially if you're a teenager, you know, and like. Um, I, I think it's one of those, those songs that now is just kind of belongs to everybody, you know, and mm-hmm. it must be fun to play live just because you get such a response from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, another, another interesting thing about a lot of those live videos, I'm guessing we probably watched all the same ones is <laughs> you can hear Tim playing guitar. Yes. This because is he's the one doing Tim, the like, he's upbeat doing the thing. upstroke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, Lars is doing the solos and it's, and he does great solos on this. That's another thing to bring up. What's what the, the sort of final point I have about this, you might have other ones, but the main other thing I, I wanted to get to is um, it was funny. I was like, Oh, this is doing that really kind of forlorn section of an outcome of the wolves, you know, like, and I always think of the second ch- third or, you know, the last third, second half of this mm-hmm. record is being like remarkably down, you know, like it's um, and, and yeah. introspective. And then I kind of zoomed out and I'm like, is the secret to Knock on the Wolves is that it's really fucking sad? Like, every the whole song record? is actually... Yeah. yeah. And I don't know why that took me so long, because that is what I like about it. I no, ver- it I very much that's... is what I like about it. It is a very nostalgic, sad, bittersweet record. Yeah, and it's no, like... I think that's spot on, actually. Um, and I think that's why even... 20 30 almost 30 years later i'm still so drawn to it like i think like we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago we were rancid 2000 there's probably my favorite rancid album at this point but and you know this goes back to my constant obsession over like heart versus head like my heart this is and this is like my heart record right <laughs> like, mm-hmm. because and it is it's like every all the songs are very um kind of wistful and there's this there's not a lot of the posturing oh, like barn burners. Yeah. It's yeah. like roots radical and that's about it. Right. Yeah. And even that is Time bomb maybe. Yeah. And those are even, you know, they're not, I don't even think those are, they're somewhat backwards looking, you know, they're really right. referencing other things. You know, yeah. Really. I mean, roots radical, you know, it's I, cause one of the things I thought about too, is like when I saw that Tim was the sole songwriter on this and I, I have to double check to see if he is the only one who gets songwriting credit on Daily City Train or Time Bomb. I feel like he mm. it was. 
and it, it was like, oh, well, maybe, you know, is this more of, this is like a Tim thing, like not as much of a Lars thing. Like maybe he wasn't, you know, he just, but then, I mean, Roots Radicals named after a Jimmy Cliff song. So like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like I clearly think, they're both like, and, and I mean, Lars it. sings a ton of this, so, you know, like if he was yeah. not into this, like he, you know, Tim wrote it, but like Lars sings huge chunks of this, you know? Well, and, 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 so. and I think, I mean, there's a couple other things like, um, I totally just forgot one of the things I was going to say, but I'll say the other one because <laughs> it's a, the, one of the things that always amazes me about Rancid Records and, and Outcome of the Wolves is the prime example. Well, they're all like, you know, when I, growing up or even now, like it seems like bands, typically it's like the first five, their best songs are always like in the first five on the record and the last half of a lot of records just drag. And it like forever and you know there's sometimes but every freaking song on this record is is like really good but then the thing that and rancid does this all the time like the end of the record is where they hide like some of their best songs they really have a like storytelling mindset yeah on their record and it's something i super appreciate i think sequencing is so important in some oh my god me like, too and they i think that's probably what sets them ha- apart half you know like yeah. they know how to they know that if they just put the four you know huge large songs in a row it's not gonna be as impactful as if it's a counterpoint to some sad reggae song you right. know think about life won't wait and how weird the sequencing is on that one like they have they seem to really 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 think about sequencing and how songs sit next to each other so i i fully agree and i think this one is a great example of that for sure yeah like, like that and they, and they always end, yeah it's amazing and it's like it's funny i'm totally with you on sequencing thing i think it's a underappreciated art form um i <laughs> for my own music i obsess over it to the fact to the point i've told the story many times but when i used to i, I used to work with type records they put out a couple mm-hmm. of my records and uh john twells who ran it was they were a great friend of mine still afraid like i don't talk to them as much as i'd like to these days but um like they would have to take stuff away from me because i couldn't stop tweaking the sequence messing with it was like dude just send me the fucking masters (laughs) and stuff but but it, it makes it's why i appreciate this so much and they do like each all their records kind of they tell a story and it like there's like a narrative to it and then there's also just musically it's and they uh, seem to understand catharsis too, like yeah. through and catharsis and all that stuff, right? Like, yeah. For sure. And I, I, yeah, on sequencing, literally the number one time I ever futz with a record when somebody's giving for my label, uh-huh. I it's sequencing. It's like I think yeah. you're this is great, but I need to like sit with it and resequence it because. I, you know, or somebody will give me a demo and I'll be like, that's the perfect sequence. And they'll change it. I'm like, no, you can't change it. You know, like even if it makes a, you know, it's squish, little squishy on the, how much can fit on the side of an LP. Like, right. I, I really believe that that's the difference sometimes between a good record and a great record. Is, is, I, yeah. And I think that that's, um, and, and yeah, and that come the wolves is such a great example of, cause I mean, th- these are all arguably like good songs. I don't think there's a bad song on. No, the, the hit to miss. I, it would be hard. Be an interesting challenge for us to come up with like what is the bad song on that. Right. I don't know if there is one. Yeah. 
but the way the that it flows and like the story that it tells just elevate it it not only like elevates the record it elevates each of the songs like i mean it's just it, it was like the stars aligned for this record and it's um yeah it's it all these years on it still gets me like yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and it's because they, they seem to have i don't know they seem to be able to do a fun punk rock band but like express all these complex thoughts even in these like little pop ska songs and i think that is definitely something that is different yeah, so I think that's good. I think I think we, I don't know, I had something else to say, but I can't remember what it was. So it must not have been that important. So um, now let's let's hear what your pick is for next time. I've I've gone about eight different directions on this, and so I'm just stopping myself and picking <laughs> one. Uh, let's talk about backslide. Oh, okay. Speaking of speaking of horns, let's yeah, talk about backslide. Let's talk about the times horns were on a song. But it wasn't a ska song. This is good. I've been I'm, like ever since we did Blood Clotting because I listened to Life Won't Wait probably more that week than I've listened to it in years. I've been wanting oh, to get back into sacrilege. it. Sacrilege. Yeah, I, I, it's yeah. Well, yeah. So okay. good. Well, we'll talk about. We'll, I want to get yeah, dig in a little bit more on Life Won't Wait because I think for for a good album, we're probably the most far apart on it. While going like it's a good album, good rancid. It's from the good rancid period, but like. <laughs> I think we're the furthest apart on the, the album yeah, as a whole. So like, uh, so. it's a good one to talk about. So. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at RancidPod. And we will see you next week. Take it easy, Sam. Thanks,